Welcome to The Church Door, a place where I can post my Bible studies and sermons for your listening pleasure. I'm the Reverend Matthew Fenn, pastor of St. Peter's Evangelical Lutheran Church in Stratford, Ontario. Thanks for tuning us in. All right. So we continue um, our uh, Bible study about Christian spirituality. Um, and, and today we look at um, stewardship. Wonderful, wonderful word. You're all just so excited to be here to talk about stewardship, right? <laughs> um, so we're going to look at stewardship, and um, uh, this is a one, hopefully this is a one-week study, and then we move on to something else next week. All right, before we begin, let's pray. O Lord, you have caused all your holy scriptures to be written for our learning. May we so hear them, read, mark, learn, and inwardly digest them, that by the patience and comfort offered by your holy word, we may embrace and ever hold fast to the blessed hope of eternal life, which is in Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. So, I want you guys to think for a moment. Think about maybe the past week, maybe the past couple weeks, maybe month, couple months. What events have produced the greatest stress in your life? Uh, What events have given you the feeling of being maybe overloaded with responsibility, uh, maybe you're burdened with school or work or church or all of the above, paying bills, who doesn't love paying bills, who doesn't love running late for an appointment or trying to balance the checkbook or waiting in a traffic jam on the 401 going to the airport, right? Um, Or having that unexpected car repair (laughs) or unexpected medical expenses because your medication's not covered or, you know, not being able to sleep and going without too much rest or running short on cash for the next payday. We can all relate to some of that, right? Seeing heads nod. We, We can all relate to that. And those anxiety producers in our life, how many of you would agree that most of the things that cause us anxiety have to do with either time or money. One of the two. Right? I'm seeing heads nod. Think about how much, if you had an unlimited checkbook and an unlimited clock, (laughs) would your stress vanish? No? Some of you say no. Some of you, it, it would help, right? You could get your eight hours of sleep. You could watch the whole season of your favorite show in a row without having to be bothered by anybody. And then you could go to work for eight hours, right? Time and money. A lot of our day-to-day issues involve those two things, right? Time and money. So today we're looking at stewardship. What's a steward? What's a steward? A caretaker, right. A steward is, is someone who's been placed in charge 
of someone else's stuff. And their job is to take care of it, to see to it that this stuff is dispensed, that the, everything gets used properly and appropriately. Um, and so we're going to look first at our use of our time. And then we're going to look at our, the use of our money. Um, and I think that, that that's, that's important. Um, the first thing is um, to understand that the, the more we come to understand who Jesus is, the more we're conformed to him and the more we develop that relationship with, with him, the more we'll understand why uh, a disciplined use of our time is important. And, and so there, there are some... Uh, we're going to start with a verse about time. Ephesians 5, in verses 15 and 16. Ephesians 5. Okay. Ephesians 5, 15 and 16. I'm reading from the uh, New Revised Standard Version this morning because it was on my desk. (laughs) Be careful then how you live, not as unwise people, but as wise, making the most of the time because the days are evil. So note that we live in a world that's evil. The days are evil. And so we have to be careful, Paul says, about how we live. And how do we do that? We have to be wise. And wisdom comes by making the best use of our time. And and the world that we live in is not, doesn't help us to use our time wisely. Um, you're constantly bombarded to, to watch the latest show, to do the latest thing, to buy the latest gadget, to spend, your, to spend another few minutes scrolling through social media. Um, it, right? It's hard to balance our time in the 21st century. So we have to balance our time because the days are evil. We live in a world that is gearing us towards um, indulging ourselves with uh, ease and pleasure and sloth or gluttony or, or whatever it happens to be. Um, and so practicing, practicing self-control is hard. Remember we said that spirituality, the Christian walk, is not easy. It's hard. It takes discipline. It takes time and effort. And so making the best use of our time is not going to be easy. Additionally, um, we have to note that our time now, our time spent now, helps us prepare for Eternity. 
right? You have what an average of 70 to 80 years, 70-ish if you're a guy, or is it 80-ish now? 70-ish if you're a guy, 80-ish if you're a lady. That's how much time we have on average in this world. If you're like Pearl McCone, who just passed this past week, you get to be 90-something, 90, 90, 90 93-something. Um, so that means our time, that's this life, is the only chance that you have to prepare for the next one. And that means that you have got endless ages on this side and only 70 or 80 years on this side. So if you have to, if, if you have to suffer or, or if managing your time is difficult on this side, think about how doing that prepares you for what's to come. Uh, so what, whether, whether or not we experience unending joy or unending sorrow depends upon how we've used our time in life. Um, a verse that kind of goes with this is 2 Corinthians 6.2. Second Corinthians chapter six, verse two says, for he says at an acceptable time, I have listened to you and on a day of salvation, I have helped you see now is the acceptable time. See now is the day of salvation, right? Today, uh, salvation is never something you can put off to the next day because you don't know what the next day is going to bring. Um, you know, I could get hit by a bus tomorrow <laughs> and be dead by week's end. And you could have a call committee by, <laughs> by Christmas, right? We don't know what's going to happen. Now's the time. Now's the day of salvation. Uh, you have no guarantee that you're going to have any more days than today. Um, so we have to make the best of it. Um, this is what James also says. Flipping forward a few books to James. Chapter 4. Sorry, we're playing Bible hopscotch. If you have an app, that, that works too. James 4.14 says, Yep. Yet you do not even know what tomorrow will bring. What is your life? For you are a mist, a mist that appears for a little while and then vanishes. Think, think for a moment of those cold winter days and you step outside and you breathe and you exhale and there's all that air and then it, it's there for just a moment or two and then it's gone, right? That's what James says our life is like. And you don't know, James is making the same point I'm making here, you don't know um, what tomorrow will bring. And so this is trying to tell us that time is short and that how we spend our time now affects how we're going to spend our time later. And so, um, there's another, uh, uh, still a further aspect to this. If we hop over a couple more books to the right, to First John chapter 2. 
And so when, when, when you're thinking about how it is you're going to manage your time, how it is that we should be managed, and what are the priorities that I should be giving to, First John helps us a little bit towards that. First John chapter 2, starting at verse 15. Do not love the world or the things in the world. The love of the Father is not in those who love the world. For all that is in the world... The desire of the flesh, the desire of the eyes, the pride in riches comes not from the Father, but from the world. The world and its desire are passing away. But those who do the will of God live forever. The world, the things in the world, those things are passing away. Just like our time, they're here to get today and gone tomorrow. Yet the things that the things that God has in store for us will last forever. And so this text is telling us don't love the things in the world. Love the things of God instead. Because everything in the world will pass away. And if you love those things, if you spend most of your time on those things, you're you will also have those things. It's like two dogs. You have two dogs that you have to keep care of. One is a vicious, nasty piece of work. It's just mean and, and terrible. The other dog is your best friend. He loves you and he'll be loyal to you and he fetches your slippers and, you know, he's it's just the best dog ever. You have those two dogs, and the, the one you spend the more time with, you, can, you only have enough food for one each day. So which dog is going to win and live will depend on which one you're going to feed. If you feed the, the mean and nasty dog all the time, then the mean and nasty dog will live, and he'll probably be mean and nasty to the good dog, right? You see the point? You, we have to balance the time. Additionally, the time that you've lost, you can't get back. It goes without saying. And God has offered you this time right now to prepare you for what's to come. Um, That's what Jesus says. In John chapter 9 and verse 4. We say this actually in, in some prayers occasionally. Um, we must work the works of him who sent me while it is day. Night is coming when no one can work. Right? While it's today, you have the chance to do what God wants for uh, you to do and, and to arrange your life in a God-pleasing manner. When you die, that's it. <laughs> you can't you can't work any any longer towards that. And and on a top of that, we're accountable for how we've used our time. And that's um, uh, Romans fourteen. Like I said, we're playing a little Bible hops, hopscotch today. 
Romans 14, verse 12, says to you, so then each of us will be accountable to God. Um, and just the next book over, 1 Corinthians chapter 3. Notice what chapter 3 says here in verse 13 to 15. Now, now if anyone... Let's even go up to 11. No one can lay any foundation other than that, the one that has been laid. That foundation is Jesus Christ. Now, if anyone builds on the foundation with gold or silver, precious stones, wood, hay, straw, the work of each builder will become visible, for the day will disclose it, because it will be revealed with fire. And the fire will test what sort of work each has done. If what has been built on the, fa- on the foundation survives, the builder will receive a reward. If the work is burned up, the builder will suffer loss. The builder will be saved, but only through fire. So, how you deal with your life, how you spend your time, is like building on a foundation. Because Jesus Christ is your foundation, and you're trusting him. You're, you're betting the blue chips on Jesus to get you to heaven, right? You, you, all in on Jesus, you'll go, you'll go to heaven. You, you What's required to be saved? A repentant trust in Jesus. That's it. It's it's that simple. But how you spend your life still matters. (laughs) And so the text says, if you build on that with gold and silver and precious stones, what does the text say? You'll have a reward. But if you waste your time and you build with wood, hay, and straw, what does the text say? You'll be saved but as through fire, right? I remember when we talked about that in, uh, two summers ago in Bible class, and some people didn't were shocked that the Bible does say that there are degrees of punishment in hell and there's degrees of reward in heaven. Uh, and if you have a question about that, just hop into the podcast and go back and look at that. I think I covered that there in detail. Uh, but the text should speak for itself. So that gives us a good basis then for how we use our time is important. So what are some practical tips you can do you can use to help organize your time? One tip you can do is you can take, put down a list of all the things that matter to you, that you want to spend time on, right? You want to make sure you have time to do your homework. Make sure you have time to watch your, uh, a specific show or program, or you want to have time to make sure you call your, your, your family or friends, or you want to make sure you, you, ha- you, you have time to go for a walk. Put a list of all the things that you like to do, exercise, socializing, serving, work, whatever. And then schedule it. Block out the times. Um, the, in the Middle Ages, the, the monks had a phrase, ora et labora, pray and work. <laughs> uh, balance, scheduling, it's important. Um, if you, uh, 
we have to see that if you're at work and you take on an extra work project, that's going to eat into something else. You, you, have, you, might, you only have so much time. And you have to look at that list and look, and look at what's being asked of you and re- required of you. And you have to say, is this the best use of my time? If I do this extra thing, it's going to eat into one of these other things that I, that I would like to do or that I need to make time for. If I spend another half hour scrolling through Facebook, is that going to eat into time I could spend praying or reading my Bible? Um, or if I take that side job at work, is that going to eat into time I could spend um, with my wife or husband or whatever, right? So the key is balance, finding time for everything. And for me, that I have, I have ADHD. I, it's a, an executive function thing. It doesn't, I don't always do well with scheduling and minutia. So I have to put everything in my phone, <laughs> right? Every, absolutely everything goes in that phone. And it reminds me, if it's not in my phone, I will absolutely forget. Something else will plop its place and the, right? So all my communion visits, everything is in that phone. And if I don't, if it's not in that phone, I won't, I, I'll forget. Uh, you ha- might have tricks that work for you. Notes on the fridge, whatever. But the key is look at your time. Look at how you're spending it. And that's the other thing. You can take a look at how you're spending your time now. How many hours are you spending doing X? How many hours are you spending doing Y? You can sit down and you can say, okay, what's most important to me in my life? All right. Oh, I guess, uh, I guess, uh, you know, watching TV is important to me because I spend five hours a week doing it. Or, you know, you have to look at your time, see what, how you're using your time, and then be a good steward of the time that's been given to you. Okay, that's time. Now let's look at money. Um, the first thing to, to make sure with money... <laughs> is we have to make sure that the needs, our own needs are met, right? And not just our own needs, but the needs of our family, right? First uh, Timothy 5, verse 8. I think th- this is important when you're dealing with money. First Timothy 5, verse 8. Whoever does not provide for relatives and especially for family members has denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever. Right? Um, the, when, so when you get that paycheck in, especially if you're uh, a parent or an adult, providing for the needs of your family, how important is that? It's very important. Right? Uh, you're worse than an unbeliever, which means unbelievers know how to provide for their family and you can't even do that, right? That's the kind of thing that's going on here. So when you get that paycheck in, you have to make sure that you 
pay the mortgage and pay for your car and make sure that you provide for the needs that you need to live in life. Um, And how you use your money is um, a good indication of where you are spiritually. Um, We invest most of our days in this world in working in exchange for money. And money in a very real way represents us. It it shows us who we are. Um, It shows our priorities. It shows what's in our hearts. Um, And so how you use your money will be very important to show that. Now, when we come, when we come to money, the next very, the very important thing here is uh, Psalm 24 and verse one. Paul, Paul quotes this in first Corinthians 10 26, but I want to go to the source Psalm 24 verse one. The earth is the Lord's and all that is in it, the world and those who live in it. Or let's jump back again to Exodus chapter 19, verse 5. If you jump back to Exodus 19, verse 5, you'll see that it says more. It says, Now, therefore, if you obey my voice and keep my covenant, you shall be my treasured possession out of all the peoples. Indeed, the whole earth is mine. And when Job, when God speaks to Job in chapter 41, verse 11, he says, everything under heaven belongs to me. So this is where we get the concept of stewardship. Your money, your time, applies to time too, and even yourself, your life, are not yours. It's God's. Now, I don't often, I don't often tell jokes, and you've probably heard this one, um, but I think it illustrates my point. There's a bunch of scientists, and scientists approach God, and they say, God, we don't need you anymore. We figured out how to make man from dirt. And so, they, and we want to show you that we can, we can do that. So God says, okay, go ahead. And they go to do it, and he says, no, no, get your own dirt. Right? Everything that exists is God's. And so that means that we are stewards. Uh, We are to care for the things that God has given us, and that includes money. If you need a more practical example of stewardship, think about Joseph. Remember what Joseph did? He was in charge of Potiphar's house. He was placed as the manager of the whole household and uh, everything, but he was still a slave, but he was in charge of everything. Um, And he he did that on his behalf. Um, God wants us to use and enjoy the things he's given us, but he wants us to be stewards of, of the stuff that he's given us and to remember that they all belong to him and that they should be used for 
our benefit and for his kingdom. Um, in monasteries, especially in the Middle Ages, you had to take a vow of poverty, right? But in some monasteries, if you have a book that was yours or something, they will stamp it with a little Latin phrase. It says, ad usus, and then your name, which means for the use of Mark. <laughs> Do you get the point? It, they're saying you don't own anything, but this is given for your use. That's a great way to look at everything that we have. You don't own anything. God has given it to you, and you can stamp for the use of Wayne, right? For the use of Brad, right? It's given to you for you to use. Think of the, think of the hymn that we sing sometime when we get back to offertories again. We might start it. But what is, the, what is that hymn? We give thee but thine own. Whate'er the gift we bring. All that we have is thine alone. A trust, O Lord, from thee. A trust. Something that's given to you to, uh, to manage. A trust. So, oh, and there's another verse like that. It's in Haggai chapter 2. You don't have to look it up. I'll just read it to you here. The silver is mine and the gold is mine, declares the Lord Almighty. So just in case you didn't think it did apply to, to money, <laughs> it, the silver is mine and the gold is mine. <laughs> um, so the question is never how much money should I give to God? It's always rather, how much of God's money should I keep for myself? <laughs> right? Um, when you put a check or a cash in an envelope and off offering plate, um, we should give it with the belief that all that we have belongs to God and with the commitment that we're going to use it all according to his will. And that does include taking care of your own needs. Giving is also an act of worship. In, um, let's look at Philippians chapter 4. Philippians chapter 4, 18. All right, so to set this up, well, no, we don't need to set this up. I have been paid in full and have more than enough. I am fully satisfied now that I have received from Epaphroditus the gifts you sent me, a fragrant offering, a sacrifice acceptable and pleasing to God. So they sent Paul a monetary gift, right? Paul's a missionary, and they sent, and, and you know, the... The, the church at Phil the, the ladies guild of the church of Philippi wrote a check uh, and sent it to Paul via the hand of a guy named Epaphroditus. And what does he say about that? He says it's a fragrant offering, a sacrifice acceptable and pleasing to God. It's like worship. Um, he compares it to these sacrifices in the Old Testament. 
um, giving to the church, giving to uh, uh, the church locally or the church in mission is an act of worship to God. Uh, in fact, Deuteronomy 6.16, you don't have to flip back, but you can, you can if you want to. God actually says, do not come before me empty-handed. <laughs> he, he says that to the ancient people of Israel. Every time they came to the temple, they had to bring something. Deuteronomy 6.16, three times a year, you, uh, all your males shall appear before the Lord your God at the place that he will choose at the festival of unleavened bread, at the festival of weeks, and the festival of blue booths. They shall not appear before the Lord empty-handed. Um, now, this brings a question, how often are you supposed to give to the church? Um, and there's no good answer for that. Maybe as many times as you're paid, or maybe you give part of your offering each week. Um, we have numerous ways you can do it. We have electronic transfer now. You don't even have to have, have uh, envelopes anymore. Um, giving is more than your duty. It's more than your obligation. It's an act of worshiping God. Um, it also reflects how much faith you have in what God's giving you. Uh, Mark chapter 12. Verses 41 to 44. He, that is Jesus, sat down opposite the treasury and watched the crowd putting money into the treasury. Many rich people put in large sums. A poor widow came and put in two small copper coins with, uh, which are worth a penny. Then he called his disciples and said to them, Truly I say to you, this poor widow has put in more than all those who are contributing to the treasury. For all of them have contributed out of their abundance. But she, out of her poverty, has put in everything she had, all that she had to live on. We give to God to the extent that we believe that he is going to provide for us. Yeah, the more we believe and trust God that he's going to provide for our needs, the more we're willing to risk giving to him. Uh, giving is sacrificial. It should be sacrificial. It was sacrificial for this woman, wasn't it? She gave two copper coins and, and that was all she had to live on. Um, if you go to 2 Corinthians 8, you'll kind of see this idea that I'm making uh, illustrated here. 2 Corinthians 8, 1 to 5. We want you to know, brothers and sisters, about the grace of God that has been uh, granted to the churches of Macedonia. For during a severe ordeal of affliction, their abundant joy and their extreme poverty have overflowed in a wealth of generosity on their part. For, as I can testify, they voluntarily gave according to their means, and even beyond their means, begging us earnestly for the privilege of sharing in this ministry to the saints. And this, not merely as we expected, they gave themselves first to the Lord and by the will of God to us. Did you notice it? There was, um, there was a severe ordeal of affliction, and the churches in Greece, in Macedonia, they gave how much? They gave a 
according to their means and even beyond their means, and they gave in their poverty. So here's a church that's struggling to make ends meet, and they're giving to Paul. And he commends them for it. Um, so that's, that's um, important. Giving isn't sacrificial if it's not a sacrifice. <laughs> that's um, very true. Um, giving reflects how trustworthy you are. Um, Luke 16, whoever can be trusted, uh, verse 10, Luke, whoever can be trusted with a little can also be trusted with a lot. Um, and, he, and Jesus even goes on, if you have not been trustworthy in handling worldly wealth, who will trust you with true riches? So how you deal with money has a big impact here. If we're not faithful with the use of our money, and that certainly includes giving our money both to the church, giving our money to the church, the Bible says that God will, that we are, will determine that we're untrustworthy un to handle spiritual riches. So the, the money, your use of money is, and how you give it is, a, is an important way of determining, evaluating your relationship with Christ and your spiritual trustworthiness. Um, so your, your, your giving reflects that. Giving is not about legalism. Um, 2 Corinthians 9, verse 7. Each of you must give as you have made up your mind, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. There is no New Testament law for tithing. Tithing is an Old Testament income tax used to support the temple. You don't have to give 10%. You can give 10%. The Bible doesn't tell you. New Testament tells you to give. You read the verse with me. According as you have decided in your heart to give. Remember that last verse we just said? It says, give as you may prosper. Um, there's, it, it's, it's, there are, somebody once said there are three types of giving. Grudging giving, duty giving, and thanksgiving. <laughs> um, grudging giving says I have to. Duty giving says I ought to. And thanksgiving says I want to. God wants you to enjoy Giving. Uh, giving needs to be, uh, it can be, it's appropriate to respond to needs. Um, we won't go there, but throughout the New Testament, there are needs that pop up and uh, the churches raise money for it. You saw, we saw one already. Paul had a need. The churches in Macedonia supported him. One of the big things in the New Testament is that the, the widows in Jerusalem needed money. They were, they were uh, in dire straits. And so Paul goes to all these churches that he has been visiting, and he collects an offering that he then delivers to Jerusalem. Right? That's a big thing. And a lot of his letters are talking about giving because of that. What's our time? All right. Um, tying this back, these two things back together 
if you go, if you're in, go back to First Corinthians just a little bit, sixteen, one and two. That that um, collection for the widows in Jerusalem is mentioned here, right at the beginning of sixteen, one and two. Now concerning the collection for the saints, you should follow the direction I gave to the churches in Galatia. On the first day of the week, what day is the first day of the week? Sunday. Why would he... So he says, on the first day of the week, each of you is to put aside and save whatever extra you earn so that collections need not be taken when I come. Why on the first day of the week? Because that's when they get... That's when they had church. It's when they got together for church. And what do we do when we do it? We we bring offerings forward, right? So... uh, this is part of our worship. Um, and lastly, um, back over to Second Second uh, Corinthians nine, just a little bit back, six to eight. And this is about <laughs> the collection for the Christians in Jerusalem. This is literally about money. The point is this, the one who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. The one who sows bountifully will reap bountifully. Each of you must give as you have made up in your mind, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to provide you with every blessing in abundance, so that by always having enough of everything, you may share abundantly in every good work. And Jesus says in Luke 6, Give, and it will be given to you. A good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, will be poured into your lap. For with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. So, stewardship is hard. At least I find find money matters very hard. But... Everything we have is given to us from God, our time and our money. And learning good and learning how to manage our time properly and our money properly, making sure we, we take care of the needs of our family, make sure we, we give to the church, and remembering that all we have is actually God's um, is an important part of spirituality, even though it seems kind of mundane. All right. Let's pray and prepare for the, our divine service. Dear God, Father in heaven, we thank you for your love, for your faithfulness, for your providing for all our needs. And, and most important, we thank you for the gift of your son, Jesus Christ, who is the sacrifice for our sins. We ask you, O oh Lord, to show us ways in which we can better manage our time and our money uh, so that uh, we may bring honor to you and and, uh, give you back what is yours. Help us to do so uh, out of gratitude for the grace and mercy you have shown to us in Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. God bless you. You've been listening to The Church Door. Thanks again for tuning in. If you have any comments, questions, or feedback, you can reach me, Pastor Matthew Fenn, at revfenn, R-E-V-F-E-N-N, 
at iCloud.com. Look forward to having you with us again next time.